Hello everybody, Raul Gomez here. This episode was recorded on the day of a major earthquake in Mexico, and as a result, my co-host, Carlos Miguel Prieto, had to step out to tend to family and friends affected by it. Fortunately, everybody was okay. Now, what that means is that today, it will be just me. Welcome to Soundpost, a podcast dedicated to exploring the meaning of concert music in today's world through conversations with its leading artists. I am Raul Gomez, and our guest today is the Grammy-winning co-founder of Brooklyn writer Johnny Gandelsman. Johnny, great to have you on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Raul. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We were chatting right before we started recording, and you were telling me you are currently in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, I normally I live in New York City in Brooklyn, and in the middle of March, um, when it looked like there was going to be a shelter-in-place order uh, issued any day, my partner Amber uh, said, "We're out of here," <laughs> and we packed up uh, packed up the car, grabbed the kids, and um, went to her uh, grandparents' place in New Hampshire. Uh, in the White Mountains region. Um, and we've been here ever since. You thought you were going to be there for a couple of weeks? Yeah, we had no idea. You know, I had to go back and pick up some summer clothes and get rid of some, you know, winter coats and stuff <laughs> like that. And, and um, we've been very lucky, you know, to have a place to, to, to go and to be. And it's been good for the kids to be able to be outside. Yeah. How many kids do you have? I have two. I have uh, my my son Julius is uh, going to be eleven, and my daughter Raya is going to be seven. Um, the silver lining in this is that um, normally I would be on the road a lot of this past three months, and so we haven't actually been together for three months altogether, like ever, you know. Um, so that's been really fun and great, and we get to. You know, cook together. I play soccer with my son a lot, and and um, um, just we're we're definitely going to have some good memories from this period. It's funny actually. We with the eleven year old, we started talking about uh, maybe him doing a, a podcast because he's uh, he's obsessed with all things soccer, and he talks about soccer with anyone who will listen, and, and even those who don't listen. So uh, he just rattles off facts, you know, he's like a walking encyclopedia of what's happening. So we just said, you know, why don't we just put it to a good use and start a podcast? I might have to pick your brain, you know, about, uh, you know, how you do that. Uh, sure. Have you, have you guys recorded anything yet? Not yet. <laughs> this just this just came up yesterday, but I think it's like now it's, you know, mulling it over and uh, thinking about a name and structure. And we watched a couple of videos online of like things to think about, which are very helpful. That's so cool. Yeah. And then, the, of course, the little one says, oh, I want a podcast too. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's she into? Um, her first idea was to call it Sugar Monkey because she loves sweet things. That's a great name. Yeah, actually, don't tell anybody, but it's so far it's not taken. We've checked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it's yeah, it's you know, it's this time has been uh, yeah, a time of you know being together and and as a family and at the same time, you know, I play in a string quartet, uh, Brooklyn Rider, and um, we're not able to you know we haven't been able to 
do much together. Actually, this coming weekend is the first weekend that we're going to rehearse together and then uh, rehearse uh, and uh, record something for Colorado Music Festival and then the, in a couple of weeks is for Tanglewood. So look, let's, uh, let's talk about Brooklyn Rider. Yeah. Um, I, I have to share this with you. Uh, back when I was still living in New Orleans, I moved out in uh, the summer of 2016. In January of 2016, you guys came to New Orleans and you played That's two right. concerts back to back, House of Blues, next night, Tulane University. I was at the Tulane University concert. Oh, cool. And, you know, I knew of you guys, I've heard your stuff online, but uh, this was my first sort of, let's say, Brooklyn Rider experience. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I went to this concert. Uh, I, I lived very close to Tulane. I walked. Uh, first half, was uh, mainly music from uh, the Almanac, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Rider Almanac album. Right, right. And, you know, I'm way into new music, and so I, I just loved every moment of that. And then intermission, second half, do you guys, do you remember what you guys played? Mm-mm. You played Schubert, uh, Rosamund. Oh, cool. Yeah. Quartet, uh, uh, A minor, number 13. Yeah. And I have to say that after hearing the first half of that concert with, you know, music by 11 composers. And then you guys played Schubert. And I had never heard Schubert played like that. And the way that it sounded, you, the way you guys played it, it sounded like Schubert is also still alive. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, thank you. But that's, yeah. The way you played it, your, your sound, the, you, you guys have this sound. And and just the way you approached it, it was it was absolutely a hundred percent Schubert, and it was beautiful. But it also sounded alive. So that was my experience listening to you guys. Is this something you you seek intentionally as a group? Thank you for. I'm glad that you 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 have you know you've been to a show and and had a good experience. We we yeah from the very beginning you know we we didn't set. Uh, out to have a goal like this let's you know let's make you know dead composers feel alive and you know but we but we did uh, set out with a kind of a clear idea that we did not want to be we didn't want to limit ourselves to be a group that only does new music or only does old music or only does baroque music or you know we we wanted to to just follow things that we really love and within the group, we have a you know uh, a huge variety of, of of interests, and um, and so we have been you know we have been com- commissioning a ton of new music, and but we're always um, you know one foot is always rooted in the in the tradition that we come from, which is so rich and so incredible. The thing that that we find is, you know, through the process of working with living composers. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's just such a pleasure, right? To 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 be there, to see a person who has created something, right? And we are there as a as a vessel to kind of bring it to life. And you and and through that that process, you always see that no matter how um, how much or how little the composer tells you in the score about what they want. There is a hundred percent missing from there, right? Like there's a hundred percent more to go, 
And so that um, creates a sense of empathy with composers, you know, because they're they're using their tools to to the best of their ability and knowledge. And then it's our job to to bring this thing that exists on paper, bring it to life. And and so through kind of you know through these conversations, countless you know conversations, we've been around for almost fifteen years. You know, through hundreds of, of of conversations with composers and trying to figure out what they mean, and trying to get to you know to get there, then you apply the same principles to a quartet by Schubert, you know, or Beethoven, um, and then same thing, right? Like, there's so much information that they give us, and there's also a lot of information that you know we can read in you know in books and and studies and everything, but then there's also everything that's unspoken that you have to kind of find for yourself. And I think in that, in that process, those pieces, you know, become alive. And so actually it's, it's funny because um, sometimes the older pieces feel like they're, they're new, you know, like you're saying, like they're alive. And sometimes the new pieces feel like they've existed for a long time, that they're not new, you know, and that's just a beautiful uh, kind of, middle place to be that we really enjoy and our most recent project um which uh is an album but it was a, a commissioning project at first exactly did that you know it paired beethoven's opus 132 quartet with five new commissions um from composers uh uh from from the states um uh let's see gabriella frank Rina Esmail, Duyan, Matana Roberts, and Caroline Shaw. And we just asked them to um, to think about the idea of healing, which kind of permeates the that the Beethoven, right? The the slow movement of the Beethoven quartet, and just see what healing means to them. And that was that was a very, very open-ended kind of question. But we got very interesting, you know, and very uh different pieces from one another but the it's an incredible experience as a performer to play those pieces alongside the Beethoven and what what makes a new piece feel old in the way that you described it as a and of course you mean this is a good thing yeah yeah it feels I, I mean what I mean is that it's it's um uh that it's there's some there's some kind of familiarity, right? Or it's something like you know you could be thinking like, oh, I know this, even though I've never heard it before, you know. Or there's some something about it that uh, is, even though it can be you know it can be shocking, but it can still feel like it has it's it's it has existed. It it has been existing in the universe, and it's just like you open the door and it's there. It is. It's like, you know, it's it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that at one point in time, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony didn't exist. Right, right, right. exactly. It's just, it's always been there in the fabric of the universe somehow. <laughs> right. Uh, we, you know, we just did a, a little masterclass with the Orchestra of the Americas or the, the players from the orchestra. And uh, we talked about, you know, approaching this music in a way where, you you know, Try, trying to imagine that the audience has never heard it before. And it's really hard. It's a really hard thing because, you know, you play violin, I play violin. I've heard these pieces 
since I was five years old. They're they're just completely ingrained. You know, they're in the brain there. But just to get to a place where the you know imagining that the you the audience comes in for the very first time to discover, you know, the slow movement from the C major Bach sonata. You know, and it's and suddenly you know things you can't take things for granted. You have to be incredibly specific about phrasing and what you want to say you know you can't you can't you can't expect that people just know it and i'm just going to play it and it'll be something you know familiar just actually make it uh you make it new in that moment well and you didn't even really have to try that hard to imagine that because it's quite likely that somebody in the audience is hearing this for the first time ever right every performance that you do is possibly somebody's first performance and somebody's last mm. right so it, it, there's there's a, a sense of responsibility there and and just you know how precious it is that we get to share this music with people absolutely and now you know it's so it's so obvious now right like in this moment where there is no live music and and something that also you know audiences might have taken for granted uh performers might have taken for granted you know you, you i mean we live in a in a place where we're just used we have a we have a routine and we go with it and and you know we sometimes we don't question it but suddenly this the rug just been pulled out from everyone and um it's it's um definitely an interesting time and i'm very curious to see what kind of changes will come to our industry once things become a little bit more normal and what is normal talk about healing right you guys were sort of ahead of the curve with that uh, theme <laughs> it's it's kind of uncanny i mean we came up with that project three years ago you know like three years ago on tour in germany after a concert we had a beer and we talked about the thing that the, the next big thing that we want to do and we came up with this idea, you know, it takes a while to get commissioners to come on board and commission the works. It takes, of course, a while for the composers to write them. You know, then you premiere the works, then you, you know, we made an album, then we released the album two weeks after the shelter in place order came to New York City. And yeah, it was, it was kind of the timing, you know, we, 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 we couldn't have planned it, you know. It's it's crazy. If somebody said you planned it, you would you wouldn't believe him. You need to tell me what what stocks to invest in, you know, <laughs> other uh, right future foreseeing uh, abilities. But what's the reception been like for the album so far? Um, I mean, you know, it's uh, I think audiences hearing it in concert have have walked away, uh, you know, with a. You know, I can't speak for everyone, but but uh, some people that we've heard from have had very memorable experiences. Um, and you know, along uh, along the way, we we played around with how we were presenting this project. So it's five, you know, five new works, and then a Beethoven. And the total length of that project is about eighty, just over eighty minutes, and. Um, um, a little while ago, we, we tried performing it um, without intermission and interspersing movements of the Beethoven with the new works. 
Um, and it's actually, that is our favorite way of doing it. You know, it doesn't work for, in every situation, it doesn't work for all presenters, but when there is a possibility of doing it, it's an incredible journey. It's very, very powerful. Uh, you know, we got, I mean, the album came out and we got some good reviews and some not so good reviews, like anything. Uh, but that's fine. That's, you know, that's not why we're doing it. For anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you haven't checked this out, you should really do yourself a favor and, and go listen to it. Um, you do work as producer, Johnny, yeah. as well as a violinist. So can we talk about that? Would you First of all, would you describe what that even means? Uh, for, <laughs> That's such a good question. Know, what, what, what does a producer do? It's such a good question. I was just asking. <laughs> I was just asking somebody yesterday the same exact question, even though I produce <laughs> records. But <laughs> but I was asking somebody exactly the same question. Um, I mean, you know, it can be it, it can be different things, right? It could be a producer could could uh, be someone like an executive producer could just oversee a project. You know, so you would, you know, you would, uh, you are there to realize the vision of the artist you you know you can you'll book the studio and engineer and you oversee the you know you'll oversee the editing process and the mixing and mastering process and the art design and whatever and um and uh actually those are all the things that i've have done you know um i love um i love being in the studio and um and uh kind of guiding you know a recording session i've i've produced a bunch of the brooklyn writer records alongside um nick cords who is the violist in our group um and actually uh today uh finished a new album um of uh a, a new work written by an argentinian composer osvaldo goliov uh osvaldo wrote an incredible incredible um what, what should we call it? It's called A Tone Poem in Voices. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's called Falling Out of Time. It's based on a book by an Israeli author named David Grossman. And Osvaldo wrote this piece for the Silk Road Ensemble, of which I'm also a member. Uh, we premiered the piece in October and, and uh, uh, toured it and, and recorded it while on tour. And then, um, you know, one of the things that has kept me sane during these last three months uh, has been working on this piece. Um, and that work included, um, you know, editing uh, over Zoom. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um, you know, conversations with uh, the mixing engineer. You know, and to yesterday the mastering session happened and today there's little tweaks and we're going to get the final master today that's so exciting yeah the conversation uh about art design you know is happening right now and uh, the album will come out on my record label uh in a circle of records so then as soon as you know soon soon as while that's happening it's also there's also a conversation about how to bring the album into the world uh, particularly now, since again, you know, our, our, the shows that we were supposed to have in Tanglewood at Carnegie Hall and in Boston, uh, Boston hasn't been cancelled yet, but I think, but Carnegie and Tanglewood are not happening. And so, you know, how do we, 
share this work with the with the audiences is also a topic that I'm involved with. So I guess producer is just, you know, this is a very long way of saying that producer is just, you know, it's just everything. It's pretty much everything. Whatever needs to uh, get done. Exactly. It's a producer doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about uh, your work with Silk Road yeah. Ensemble. And I'm... Uh, so if you would please describe what that is and who you get to work with. And I'm uh, especially interested in Sing Me Home. This mm -hmm. was uh, your Grammy Award winning uh, uh, record for Best World Music in 2016. That's right. Yeah. So for somebody who doesn't know what Silk Road is. So Silk Road is a, a collective uh, of musicians that was established by the, Ch the wonderful Charles Tioyo Ma who I believe you're going to have on your podcast in a couple of days. Um, That's true. <laughs> um, and uh, Yoyo started this group in, in the year 2000 um, at Tanglewood. Um, and it was really, the idea was to bring people from, you know, from different parts of the world and, and, and just see, you know, what are the things that make us different? What are the things that, that bring us together, you know, through music? And uh, I, uh, started playing with the group in 2002. So what is that? 18 years, about 18 years. Uh, kind of crazy um, to think about, but it's an incredible, it's, you know, this group has been a huge, ha has had a huge uh, effect on, on, on my life, on my kind of, you know, development as a musician and as a person. Um, it is, it is like a big family, um, and and you know, and Silk Road does a lot of a lot of different work, and there's there are performances, there there's a lot of educational activities, um, there's social work, there's there's it's a it's a organization that keeps on growing, shall we say? Two thousand sixteen was the year that um, there was a documentary that came out. Uh, made by Morgan Neville, a uh, great uh, documentary maker. Uh, and the documentary was called The Music of Strangers. And it was about the Silk Road Ensemble and, and Yoyo and, and kind of focusing on, on the group and on uh, a few, uh, you know, zeroing in on, on a few specific members of the group. Um, it's a beautiful documentary. And at the same time, you know, we, we wanted to celebrate uh, the ensemble. You know, we wanted to celebrate. We wanted to create an album that um, would help uh, audiences kind of understand what the Silk Road Ensemble is. And so Sing Me Home um, kind of came out out of that. And, you know, and the, and the prompt was great. You know, it was like the idea was, why don't we bring in, you know, the most incredible musicians that we love and adore that we either have played with before or haven't, you know, and create uh, and create an album, all of which is music that um, was, for the most part, I, I shouldn't say all, but for the most part was music that was created by members of the group. And we had special guests on every track. Um, and, you know, it's like a kid in a candy store, you know, like, can we, can, what do you think about asking you know, Rhiannon Giddens, what do you think about asking Bill Frizzell, <laughs> you know, and, and the fact that we were able to, to get these people together and record together and make, uh, 
this uh, album is still kind of shocking that it all came together and and the result has been you know it's it's one of the things that i'm i feel very fortunate to have been a part of well i mean it it worked out just fine i would say <laughs> with the type of recognition that it got um including a grammy award so not too shabby yeah that was that was like you know that was unexpected um particularly in the in the category you know world music category that you know if you look across the the world you know it's the world and there's so many <laughs> unbelievable musicians around the world and just to you know even to be nominated was an honor and then that you know the fact that we won was kind of uh, surreal help me out with uh, my timeline here does your involvement with Silk Road predate Brooklyn Rider yes yes and in fact um, you know well Brooklyn Rider we we knew each other uh, you know from school and, and, and playing together in other in other situations we did all four of us and this is like with, uh, the original Brooklyn Rider members included Colin and Eric Jacobson who are brothers uh, Eric is a cellist and uh, Nick Gordon and myself and Eric is also a wonderful conductor and he eventually chose to pursue that um, kind of full time so then he, he left the group and we have a, a new incredible cellist Michael Nicholas but Colin, Eric, Nick and I all played in in, um, in Silk Road and you know we spent a lot of time together uh, and we definitely took um those experiences and and wanted to build on them which is how collaborations with uh musicians outside of classical music ha started happening you know so we the first one was was a was kehan kalhor who's an incredible iranian spike f fiddle uh master and kehan was already our, our friend from silk road but we wanted to we wanted to go deeper and explore the possibilities for string quartet and Kimanche further, which gave birth to uh, the album that we made called Silent City, you know, and and it just opened up the window, like it it made it apparent to us then then these that these kind of collaborations uh, can be really meaningful, uh, that one can learn a great deal, you know, about a culture about a style of playing about yourself um you know and if it if they're done right right and and so and and it's something that we've absolutely loved doing and have been doing ever since you you guys bring it back to the let's say traditional repertoire that you play as an ensemble as in like western you know classical music quote unquote and that i think one of the reasons why you know your beethoven your, your Schubert, those pieces sound the way they do. And now that brings me to Bach <laughs> and your recent project where you took a collection of pieces that's at the very core of violin repertoire and that has been performed and recorded many, many, many times over the years. Of course, this is a Bach's uh, Six Sonatas and Partitas for solo violin. Why record this music i was i was afraid you were that you were leading towards the bach cello suites with it which i just recorded and released but <laughs> what did you really yeah yeah on on viola or, or like you played on them? a on a five-string violin oh my goodness that okay. yeah 
Wow. Uh, but let me tell you about the sonatas and partitas. Um, a lot of my uh, time performing and working uh, from from the time that I started playing with, with uh, the Silk Road Ensemble and from the time that we formed Brooklyn Rider, a lot of my time playing was it to, in in groups, right? In groups of with with people, and and uh, which has been amazing. Um, but I, at a certain point, I think maybe five five years ago, I felt like I needed uh, a project that I could just work on on my own. And I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to see kind of what happened. You know, um, I spent a lot of time on the road. Um, I had, you know, in the past, I would I would use the, the free time that I had to, you know, to see the sights, you know, go have a nice cup of coffee, do, you know, this or that. But I, I, I wanted to focus on something else. And so I, I decided to challenge myself. Um, I did not know. I, I knew them, but I did not play all six sonatas and partitas before. You know, I didn't learn all six of them. And in fact, in the beginning, my, my sister is also a violinist. She's five years older than me, and she lives in Israel. And we decided to do a concert where we would split the six. She would play three, and I would play three. And the first challenge was she picked her three, and she didn't pick the C major sonata. And I've never played it, you know? And I always was terrified of, of it. Somehow I had this like mental block. I remember even from school of, of, of you know, hearing- Well, that few. Yeah, he, hearing students, you know, play play the piece and play really well. And I just thought, there's no way that I can ever do this, you know? And I had this kind of fear of it for, for about a decade, you know, or even more, even more, I guess almost two decades. And so, I, that was the first challenge. I had to learn it. You know, I had to memorize it and then learn it and then feel okay about going on stage and performing it. And, you know, we did those concerts. She came to New York and we did them in, at Barge Music in New York, which was lovely. And then, you know, she lives in, this, in New York, in, in Israel and I live in New York. We can't rely on, you know, every time doing it like that. So I decided, okay, I'm going to try and learn all six and, and try and perform them in concerts. And... And it was, you know, it was just a, it was a process, like the experience of going on stage for two hours and, and just being there by yourself and being with yourself and with the audience and with your thoughts and with your fears and with everything that goes into, you know, possibly going on stage and, and playing music. It's like, it's like running a marathon naked. <laughs> well, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll take your word for it. But you know, it's it's a vulnerable place. It's a, it it's is a vulnerable thing to do. Yeah, and and it was an incredible uh, just you know place for learning. Like I learned an insane amount about again about myself, about things that that calm me down and things that freak me out. You know, and and how to get through. Uh, you know, a memory slip on stage or how, how do you, you know, how do you manage or how do you find the right place, like space of mind to, and what it, what that is, you know? And so I played them in concert for, you know, maybe 15 times and the, the progression and, and the, the evolution of how that felt 
was so massive that then that I just wanted to then capture that on record. You know, I wasn't thinking about like, I'm going to make the definitive, you know, there's no way of, of thinking, approaching these pieces like that. As you said, you know, everyone has recorded them uh, and people have very strong opinions about things that they like and things that they don't like. I just wanted to go back to kind of the original idea of, of making records, which was just to capture a moment, you know? Um, and I did that. It took forever to record and then edit and put it together. But I, you know, I'm glad that I did it. And now I did record all the cello suites on the violin. Um, it was the sixth suite performed on, uh, on a five string violin. Um, was a C string, and that process has been really interesting. So the sixth suite you perform on a five string instrument, but the others just on the violin. It's just yeah. one fifth up. Okay. Yeah, so they're transposed a fifth up, but the sure. sixth suite is not transposed. It's it's at key, played at key, uh, and that's been a really you know a, a project that started about a year and a half ago, and and was has been really also a really fun thing to do and to learn from and you know right when the pandemic hit i was in the middle of uh, kind of doing a tour that that uh, was promoting the album that came out in january february or early february um and now i'm curious to see what this you know having learned lessons from the cello suites uh about the dance movements and and the lightness that that can really go with those movements. I'm now curious to go back to go back to the sonatas and partitas and see how those they will feel now that I've done the cello suites. Um, but you know, maybe give it a couple of years. Can, can we dig a little deeper about that evolution process you described uh, of performing this the six sonatas and partitas over time up to your recording process? So what what was that? journey like for you personally you know it's 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 um when when i first started there was everything was an unknown right like i had just no idea how it would feel to like how it would feel mentally how it would feel physically to to play two hours of music just by myself you know and so at first it was a huge struggle uh to just get through it, you know? Um, and I think I was exerting uh, a ton of physical and mental energy just to kind of keep it together, you know? I felt that at all points, I felt like I was just fall apart and, and you know, come crashing down. Um, and so And so the first, you know, the first evolution was when I... You know, after a few times of doing it, when it didn't, when it stopped feeling like a huge physical exertion, you know, like it started feeling a little bit lighter, you know, like, okay, I can get, I, I can, I can get through it. And, you know, it's, f it's funny how time can, can feel because those two hours in the beginning, they felt like five hours. They felt they were like, they will never end, you know? And it was just like, and And then, you know, slowly the time just started feeling so much going by so much quicker that, you know, I would get to the half point and I would 
think to myself, you know, I'd play the A minor, uh, I would start playing the D minor partita, and I, and I think, how did we already get here like this? I just started, you know, but I've already been playing for an hour. Were you playing them in, in, in order as published? I was playing them in order as published, and, and uh, um, shortly after I started playing them in, uh, in concert, I realized that uh, taking intermission uh, was 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 not helping me taking an intermission because you know it, you, you have to get to a, a state of mind to the right state of mind and sometimes I would you know sometimes I could get there relatively quickly you know maybe 10 minutes after I started or maybe after the first sonata or somewhere in the second sonata. sometimes it would take a really long time to get to the place where you feel like okay this this is feeling okay I feel, I feel like I'm you know I know what's happening in the zone right and then you take an intermission and that feeling is gone you know and then you come back I come back the audience comes back from a break and then we have to start the whole thing again looking for this space so I've I started just playing them straight through and just asking audience, you know just saying you know audiences if they need to stand up or if they need to to go outside it it does not bother me in the least you know i'm just going to keep playing and i did that with the with the cello suites as well and it's a it's a great it's a great feeling and the 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 time it's incredible how time how different time can feel the ability to kind of zoom out Mm -hmm. right and see all six together is a very rare vantage point if that, right. if that makes any sense so did you learn anything from that large structure one thing that you know started becoming apparent is just how different they are from each other you know actually you know like and if, and and then you also see the evolution of the structure so you know with the sonatas for, for talking about sonatas and partitas with the sonatas there's a clear you know expansion of form in the fugues you know that becomes you know bigger larger and it's like you can see like you know i imagine bach being like a you know like a like a crazy inventor scientist like all right you know well, how about this can i try this is this gonna work you know and just keep <laughs> keep keep pushing the 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 possibilities of the instrument and it's so you know to the limit and it's so so cool uh and with the partitas you know also like such an interesting way to structure things where you know the first partita is just four movements and variations the second partita is four dance movements and then the fifth movement is in itself a giant set of variations you know just as a, and then the the sixth you know the the E major it's it's so it's so light and it has the you know it has the lure which is is not present in any other you know in any other partitas and it's so lighthearted and it's kind of like it's so incredible to finish this journey right of six and then you get to the E major and it's just like pure sunshine you know it's just it's it, the joy is is overwhelming. Um, so actually, you know, now, I mean, it's, you know, this might sound strange, but now if, I, if I'm if i in a situation where I'm playing one suite or one sonata, I, I'm like, where are the other five? You know, <laughs> like it just feels like this one part of the of a puzzle 
that's yeah. missing its yeah. you know brothers and sisters yeah um yeah. and i've also um another thing playing you know so so that's with sonatas and partidas was this was the cello suites it was a little bit of a different journey um because with the sonatas and partidas i tried to follow the manuscript you know as as much as i could was and try to kind of stick faith be faithful to the bowings and articulations that are in the manuscript and with the cello suite because you know there is no uh manuscript from bach there's various versions of what you know of what's possible and and you know i looked at anna magdalena version uh a lot you know and i and i and for those of you know for those people who might be listening who don't know the difference like some versions uh basically let's see how, how would i say they regulate the articulation so everything uh in, in those versions the bowings are you, you will have the same articulation or bowings from one bar to the next if the rhythm is basically the same you know and for example the in the first the first cello you know the, the first prelude of the first the, the suite, super famous one some versions you know it's either you know it's either you know you play three notes and you know da 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 you know or or all slurred but in Anna Magdalena, there's actually every bar has a different slur. You know, it's different. And I I worked on it and I tried to get to the kind of tried to answer the question for myself: Why are those articulations there? And and I you know was very inspired by uh, Anner Bilsma, the incredible Dutch cellist, Baroque cellist, who who spent lifetime studying the cello suites and the music of Bach in general. Uh, and Honor might might have not agreed with me to, to with the place that I got to, which was to me those bongs suggest the infinite possibilities. So instead of saying that those are the bongs that are set in stone, it suggests it suggests a place of incredible freedom as an improviser, like an improviser. So that you can make it up on the spot, and and there the, the the possibilities are literally limitless. And so once I started doing that with the cello suites, just thinking about that, I started you know thinking about the dances and and kind of also been really inspired by um, a, a friend and a and a and a source of great deal of inspiration, Irish fiddler Martin Hayes, and thinking about how he structures his sets where he puts together you know three four five dances you know reels and he just goes through them uh from you know from beginning to end uh you know so you'll be you'll be listening to him it'll be about 15 or 20 minutes of music before he stops and so i started thinking about the separate dances in the cello suites or i should say it just started feeling strange to to uh, to play a dance, stop, play another dance, stop, you know. So I try. So I started exploring the possibilities of how can one transition from from you know from a saraband into you know into a minuet or from you know from a, from a minuet into a gigue. You know that that feels. Uh, totally natural, like flow flows into it. 
So anyway, that's that's kind of where I ended up. Um, it still keeps evolving, you know. Uh, and actually, like I re- I recorded the album before ever playing all of them in public, and so in February I was so excited to start actually playing them, you know, all together, um, and immediately started learning new things, you know, about about them and about the situation and and. Currently, it's you know on pause. Well, it's like the so you, it's the opposite process, right? You uh, violin, you uh, you know learn them, perform them for, and then record it. This was kind of mm-hmm. the opposite. You exactly. Learn them, record it, and then you would have gone on a journey as you performed them. That exactly. Role. Now, I, I really want to ask you this. It's like a quick like word association game for each of the six sonatas and partitas and then each of the cello suites. Oh. So like one word to describe each each one of them, starting with the uh, violin ones. Oh my God. The E major is light and uh, and sunshine. C, ma- C major is pure joy. You know, um, the D minor labyrinth uh a minor noble okay like how you like in your head you're just going through them well i have to i have to imagine yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um b minor filigree okay g minor stream of consciousness very nice yeah or the cello cello the cello you know, uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna sound kind of the same. You know, it's gonna be boring, but uh, the the you know uh, the first one, child's play. Oh, I love that one. Okay, <laughs> and uh, D minor. It's very much um, like an inner world. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's like it's a conversation with yourself. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that works. <laughs> unexpectedly difficult question for you here at the end the third suite you know it's joyous and rambunctious and just could be like fireworks you know and the fourth I would say like a lighthearted giant nice okay. and the fifth um, the fifth has an incredible journey because it starts you know it starts with that opening that turns into you know a canon um and it start it's strange because it starts in a dark uh stormy place and it over the course of the the suite it transitions into uh the the darkness settles in a very lonely kind of place so i i guess um yeah, I would say maybe loneliness. And the six, I would just say divine. I I adore the six. Like it's just the most incredible thing. It's so funny because with them, very much like with the sonatas and partitas, but I feel like even more with the cello suites. As I'm going through them, you know, I'm I'm in the first one and I'm thinking, man, this is a good piece. And then 
you know, I get to the second one and I'm like, <laughs> God damn it, this is so great, you know? And then, yeah, and, yeah. and it just keeps on, it like the, the, the levels at which it, it keeps elevating are just amazing. Uh, well, Johnny, it has been an absolute delight to speak with you. Thank you for letting me pick your brain, and we're all going to be paying attention to whatever comes next. And maybe that will be a podcast with your son about soccer. So, If there we'll is one, I will send you the link. You can send us some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, it was really fun. And thank you to all of you for listening. I am Raul Gomez. See you next time. Post is a production of the Orchestra of the Americas Group with additional support provided by MYS Portland. Visit theoagroup.org forward slash soundpost to learn more. <laughs>